everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Luck. I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic, and today we are here to talk about the Phoenix race for the NASCAR Cup Series, which, uh, man, I'll tell you what, uh, just when you think, oh, maybe this isn't going to be as exciting or something, or this, <laughs> this race is a little bit tamer, all of a sudden you look up and there's three drivers battling for the lead late in the race in the final laps who had never won a Cup Series race before, and you're like, wow, well, got another one, another interesting one to talk about, Jordan. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll be honest, we had that we those final two restarts, and you look at the guys I- involved, and obviously they hadn't won Tyler Reddick, Ross Chastain, and eventual winner Chase Briscoe. And it's not just the fact that they have never won. It's that and, and Briscoe said this afterwards. It, it's two guys in Reddick and Chastain, who I think it's very fair to say are very aggressive and they do not are afraid to go after it. I had visions in my head. I, I thought we were going to see like some kind of wild, you know, these guys are spinning, bouncing off each other, spinning each other out kind of finish. It didn't happen that way, but it was still really good. And I went back and looked at uh, that, that finish multiple times that restart, excuse me, multiple times, because I thought Briscoe did a masterful job on that and the timing of it and, and the strategy of he, he, you could hear it on the radio and the team told him like, Hey, listen, Chastain is right behind you. He's going to be aggressive. You know this. And he and Briscoe smartly basically took Chastain out of it and was able to hang on to it. And then on top of that, going into turn two, aggressively drove in there and slid up the racetrack and and cut off Tyler Reddick from making any chance to pass him. I I thought it was a terrific, really, those last 10 laps or so were terrific. Yeah. And, you know, uh, on an earlier restart, Chastain had said, I'm going to dive lower than you. Uh, to chase Briscoe and gotten on the inside of him. And so on that final restart, um, you know, Chastain had that covered and was able to defend on Reddick as well. So uh, he certainly earned that win. And if you're going to have, you know, your first victory leading over a hundred laps and earning it uh, on a final restart, you know, when everything's on the line and, and you've got some really aggressive people around you, uh, that's, that's the way to do it. Like you said, I, I thought, Oh boy, somebody's going to wad it up here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody's going to hit the wall, overdo it, whether it's Reddick or Chastain, you know, how aggressive Chastain can be. Then you had, yeah. you know, Harvick was in the mix, you sure. know, getting kind of desperate looking for a win. I thought, boy, if he, if he has a chance, he's going to try to stick his nose in there. You don't Blaney know what he was up there too. And Blaney had had a frustrating coming off a frustrating pit stop. And you kind of know that he's kind of, you know, he wanted to kind of atone for that. And it just, it, it felt like, it felt like all the ingredients were there. And, and Briscoe as well, really, because yeah. you, you think, okay, well, you know, here's a guy, how much composure does he have in the situation? I mean, this is a lot of, this is what he's dreamed about, right? And it kind of reminded me of him outdueling Kyle Busch at yeah. Darlington in the Xfinity Series race where you're like, wow, is he really going to beat Kyle Busch? Does he really have the composure to do this? And, uh, and he did. And, uh, you know, so really kudos to him. And it sort of is like his official arrival, it feels like. Now, uh, Jordan, you know, uh, look, we, uh, I'll, I'll point out when we, when we don't get it right on here, of course, but I just gotta, I just gotta note, we, we did get this one, right. Jordan, we, we had chase Briscoe in our playoff picks, both of us, yep. uh, we both thought he would win a race this year. And not only that on our gambling picks, our weekly betting posts that we do on the athletic, you had chase Briscoe, who was, I believe 66 to one odds um you had him as your long shot pick of the week and said put a couple bucks on him so Jordan, kudos to you sir he had speed i mean you look at the numbers and you're like oh you know where is this coming from and but you go back to fontana they had a they had a really a fast race car then the race got away from him at the end with pit strategy and everything and you know vegas they go they qualify well they're running well and the race got away from him man it's just it felt like if you're looking at somebody and, and it's kind of a cl- complete crapshoot with this new car and everything it's like there's something there the speed is there he's obviously very talented and the interesting thing for me today about this was young guy you know drivers winning it's it, they often have to be in that position once or twice before that happens this really wasn't the case with briscoe i, I guess you could say you could go back to indianapolis last year um you know he was in the mix there with denny hamlin and then they had the restart and everything but you know, this today really felt like he was, he, he had the car, he had everything there. Now 
can you close it out? You don't often see young drivers do that in in this instance. And he was able to do it. And that was huge. Well, and, you know, we had seen each of the last two weeks, a young driver in yep. that position, not be able to do that because at Fontana, it looked like, Ooh, this, this could be Tyler Reddick's break breakthrough race. I mean, he led a bunch of laps that day. Briscoe had led laps at Fontana as well, but that really seemed to be Tyler Reddick's race. And, um, it, it didn't work out that way. Then Vegas, it was like, Oh, is this going to be Ross Chastain's yeah. big day? His big breakthrough. And then he didn't win it. And ultimately, you know, two Hendrick drivers ended up winning those races instead. So, you know, it's, it's almost natural that when you see it sort of popping up again, Oh, you know, even though Ryan Blaney led the most laps at, at Phoenix, it was really Chase Briscoe in the second half of that race who was dominating. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, he led uh, a chunk of 58, and then there was like a brief uh, changeover, and then he led um, the last 24 laps. But you know, you're looking at that, and you're like, I don't know, is he really gonna? Yeah. Is he really gonna get it done? You're kind of waiting for something to go wrong, and you know, one of these young guys capitalized on it today. So, uh, yeah, that was cool to see. And and you know, it's I think it's good for anytime you have a new winner you could say it's good for the series, but it's good for the series to have somebody who, I don't know how to put this, but it is somebody who's, who's, who fans can sort of relate to in a way mm-hmm. where like, they're like, okay, this is, this is the hard scrabble story because we've seen a lot of drivers, you know, come up and, and maybe they get their first win, but they came from, uh, you know, sort of a privileged life, Uh, Maybe their dad was a driver. That's fine. You know, you can't, you know, you don't fault them for that. If they're good, that's fine. Uh, Or maybe they came from money that they had a great sponsor who backed them and got them into the position where they were. But clearly, 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 um, you know, if you haven't read, not to plug my own story, but my story about Chase Briscoe uh, from a couple years ago, I mean, there was literally like 10 things that had to fall the exact right way in his life and career to even get to the cup series in the first place. And I mean, the, 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 the amount of th- like, I mean, we're talking about, he went from sleeping on couches and, you know, volunteering at an ARCA shop just to get it. Like he ends up getting an ARCA test, um, ends up being an ARCA driver because Kyle Weatherman, uh, didn't answer his phone one night, uh, and didn't return the team owner's call. Uh, you know, he, he is about to, even even when he was in the Xfinity series, he's about to lose his ride. And his dad was walking on a street in Las Vegas wearing a Briscoe hat. And a guy walked by him and said, hey, Chase Briscoe. And they struck up a conversation. And this guy turned out to be uh, his eventual sponsor because he talked to the dad. He said, yeah, you know, I like Chase Briscoe. And he said, well, he's looking for a sponsor. He's going to be pretty much, you know, out of a ride, essentially. Uh, the team reached out to him and he ended up becoming a sponsor to uh, give him a full series in, in Xfinity series and things like that, which, which is, was his breakout year. So it, it just one thing after another, after another, I mean, he had, he had given up on racing, was driving home and, um, you know, driving back to Indiana and, and he had got a call while he was driving home, uh, to come back because he was going to get an opportunity. So, I mean, again, just so many things. And I, I think that's, that's the kind of thing fans relate to because, and, and it's sort of been lost over the years where you have, you know, Tony Stewart, you know, came up sort of the hard way. And, you know, you hear about even Dale Jr., right? Like, hey, he worked at, at a, you know, changing oil at a dealership and things like that. And, you know, you just don't have that many relatable stories where you're like, okay, these are real people who have real backgrounds. A lot of these drivers today, it's like, well, this guy drove his whole life. He was kind of destined to be a driver and he ended up as a driver, which again, that's fine. It doesn't, I'm, I'm not criticizing people's path. But it's important for NASCAR, which is a very blue-collar sport, to have blue-collar drivers that people can relate to. And Chase Briscoe clearly, clearly fits the bill. And I, th- I think people will appreciate that. Great story you wrote. If you haven't read it, please make sure to read it because I think it's the definitive Chase Briscoe story that you're going to want to read about him. And, and I think it's a feel-good story. And, and, and Chase Briscoe winning today. And it's easy to root for guys like that because of everything they had to fight and claw and scratch. And I would throw Chastain in that group too, you know, that group too. And I think Ross, when he gets that first cup series win, it's going to be very popular because he's the same way. He fought, he scratched, he clawed. It wasn't easy and he, to get there. And you need these stories. And I think the connection with Tony Stewart and driving for Stewart Haas racing, that's a huge part of this too, because 
getting that 14 back in victory lane and having Stuart Haas kind of be back in the mix, at least for this week. And they looked good today, uh, both he and Kevin Harvick. You need that. You need those kind of moments. And it's 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 a big thing for NASCAR to continue to have these young guys. And, I, and I was, it seems weird calling Briscoe young because someone brought it up on, on social media. And I, and I wish I knew who, but he's, he's actually older than Chase Elliott. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, it's hard to kind of fathom. But he is a young guy, and, it, and it's nice to see the, the continued emergence that you have and the changeover. And it also shows you how tough it is right now in the Cup Series, like how deep it is and how many guys on a given week can 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 jump up and win and the continued emergence. And I want to ask you, Jeff, about this. We've talked about it on this podcast a lot. We've written about it and about the competitiveness and whether this car was going to be the difference maker and allow drivers to showcase their talent. I got to be honest, for the first few weeks, I'm like, eh, you know, yeah. I mean, we're seeing guys kind of come up a little bit, but still, I mean, Penske's winning, Hendrick's winning these races. I got to be honest, I think I'm starting to change my opinion a little bit because I look at today with Chase Briscoe, I look at Tyler Reddick again in the mix. I look at Ch- uh, Ross Chastain again in the mix. It- it's hard not to think that maybe that this car is kind of what people thought it would be. Yeah, I still feel like it's too early. Yeah, no, no, it like is. It's too it early is. for that. It you is. Know, like, it just feels like it a little bit, though. The teams that are, you know, look, you're not seeing some of the, obviously, the, the big players that we're used to seeing up there right now. But it feels like it's going to be a long season. They're going to adjust on it. They're going to figure it out. Now, some won't, obviously. But, you know, they haven't really had a chance to work on stuff much, being going back and forth from the West Coast uh, during this West Coast swing. Um, I also don't, really don't think Atlanta is going to tell much of the story at all. No. Because um, that's going to be... Uh, a track unto itself. We'll talk about that later, but um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a while, honestly, before we truly get some answers on sure. what's going on this year. Now, early on as it's, as it's a scramble, I think that opens the door to some of the parody we're seeing. Um, by the way, odd that Danica Patrick said on the broadcast today that she had never heard of parody. That was weird, but um, there was a, can we just be honest? There was a lot of, th- and I don't, want to like pile on and I don't want to go down that road but there was just a lot of things that Danica said last week and this week that um fluffy scratching my head let's just say yeah I it was like she hadn't really paid attention to Anything? like she didn't know about Alex Bowman's t-shirts um she didn't know about she didn't know what a Polish victory lap was um yeah. she didn't know a, a parody um like in general the concept of it uh, yeah, there was, there was just, I don't know. There was a couple things, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's a whole different topic, I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just think it's too early. I think it's too early to, to really say, but I, at the, it, in the meantime, it's good to see different people up there. I mean, now there's been 26 different drivers this season who have gotten a top 10 finish and like Denny Hamlin is not one of them, for instance. So, Crazy. um, you know, there's, there's a lot more of this story to be written. I thought we would maybe have a few more answers than we have after the West coast swing. But I think there's there's still a lot out there that's just like I really have no idea what's going to happen or who's going to be good. And but going back to your earlier point, you know, it wasn't that long ago where you would look at the Cup Series field and you'd say, well, there's really only I don't know maybe ten, eleven guys that could win a race on any given week. And really, that was true. That was it. Like the year the big three, it was pretty much like the very top guys, and really nobody else had a chance unless there was some total fluke type situation. I mean, now I'm not saying it's as many as like a, a Daytona 500 type situation as far as who could win every week, but the doors, but I mean, there's a lot of people from a lot of different teams and a lot of, you know, organizations that could really jump up there and win. And you just, you don't know at all. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't have, even though you had it for your long shot pick this week, I'm, I'm not sure I would have said, well, yeah, Chase Briscoe is going to win Phoenix. You know, I just, I just didn't see that coming, but, um, uh, again, I think that's a good thing. I think that's very, very positive and refreshing. We'll, we'll see how long it lasts, but for now, the more unpredictability, the better. Um, I think Joey Logano, what was his comment this weekend that, you know, it's like we all suck or something like that. Like, cause everybody's still trying to figure it out and yeah, nobody's it, quite comfortable. So, you know, it's, it's a work in progress and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see who figures it out the fastest, but we, we still won't know that for a while. No, I just did a quick count as you were talking there about parody and I ballpark. I've got 23 guys that I could see what that could win a race on a Sunday and I wouldn't be completely shocked by it. 23. Really? And, wow. and that's probably even a low number. There's a couple guys in there. 
I, I didn't include an Eric Jones, for example, who I probably could have put in that group. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's a pretty good number. And I, I agree 100% with you saying with the cars. We're not going to know a lot uh, definitively. And this thing is going to continually change. And especially as the teams get back from the West Coast and they can really start hammering on it. I mean, you look at Spire Motorsports and Corey LaJoy, they've used the same car for three straight weeks. I mean, it's just to get that car back and to really kind of dissect what's worked, what can we do here? That's going to be a big thing. I, I will say this, though, as we this pendulum is going to continually swing throughout the season. You're going to have guys go on runs. I think it's imperative for teams like Trackhouse Racing, who right now have something. They've got speed in their race cars, and they're bringing it every single week. They're fast at Fontana. They're fast at Vegas. They're fast this weekend. You've got to cash in when those opportunities arise, and you can't miss it. And, you know, it's you, you like to think that Chastain and Suarez are going to be in the mix every week, but we don't know that because they haven't done it. And when you have these opportunities and they kind of keep slipping away from you a little bit, Man, it, it can quickly turn to, man, you get in the middle of the season and you're struggling going, damn, I wish we could have had one of those back. And that that's when you have those opportunities, you, you really got to make sure you punch your ticket. I, I totally agree with you because it's, it's tempting to say, hey, you know, we're good this year. Yeah. And look at our cars. We're, we're running up front every week or we're, we're in the mix every week. And that's great. They are off to a great start. And you, you think, well, OK, it's going to continue. But these big teams out there, you know, with all this experience who aren't running as well, they, they are going to make gains. And, you know, if you let these opportunities go by the wayside, like, like you just said, I mean, I, I'm just echoing your point, but totally agree that they've got to cash in. You can't just have these finishes and go, dang. And then suddenly, you know, you're, you're playing from behind again. Um, and it, and it, and look, it's hard to picture right now, right? Because they're both running well. They both track house cars, for instance, finished in the top two today. Chastain could have won. Uh, for the second straight week. Um, but then you look at like Brad Kozlowski finished 23rd, a lap down. Is is he really going to be out to lunch all year? He's had three straight finishes of 23rd or worse. At some point, you would think that they, you know, Matt McCall, um, Brad Kozlowski, his talent, future Hall of Famer, they're, they're going to figure things out. You're, you'd think Denny Hamlin is going to figure things out. Christopher Bell is 30th in points. Um, he won a race last year. He was a playoff driver. Drives for Joe Gibbs Racing, for goodness sake. I mean, they're they're going to get start getting better finishes. So, you know, people are going to rise and fall, and you've got it when you're on the upswing, like you said, you've you've really got to capitalize, and it can't just be points. So, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know, you, despite Trackhouse doing so well in in recent weeks, I mean, Chastain looks like he's 14th in points, and Suarez is 22nd in points. So, it's not like you came away and you're like an amazing playoff position mm-hmm. now. Um, so yeah, but it's uh, it's it's fascinating to watch the ups and I mean Tyler Reddick, you know, it seems like he's continues to be knocking on the door, um, you know, and and you don't know who who's going to be able to sustain this success. Like, is Reddick going to be a threat all season? Is Briscoe going to be a threat all season? I mean, he certainly, yeah. it's it doesn't seem like this is the end of his story. I mean, this it it's not like he's peaking. It seems like he's just starting to find his footing. So you know that that changes the mix too. Um, it, it just it's very hard to tell right now what's going to happen, but um, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for the unpredictability. Anybody you're, I don't want to say sound the alarm bells on because it's a little too early for that, but is there anybody you're kind of looking at going, man, oof, this is not the start you want, and you kind of start to wonder if, like, you know, this is going to go sideways. I mean, I, I'm probably possibly thinking of the same person you are, but uh, I, I would say Bubba uh, has – has some concern going on there. Um, you know, it seemed like I, I didn't hear the radio chatter you heard today, but it sounded like he was extremely frustrated, uh, finished a lap down in 22nd. Meanwhile, his teammate, Kurt Busch rallies to a top five finish, ends up finishing fifth on that late restart and ends up being the top Toyota. Now Toyota as a whole is struggling. Yeah. Oof. Toyota as a whole. I mean, very surprising, very surprising that they haven't been able to put it together. Um, but today though, especially, I mean, like they've had the opportunities, like they were fast last week and they almost finished one too, but like today they were not even in the ballpark and give Kyle Busch credit for coming back and netting a top 10 finish on a day where he looked like he was, they, they were just struggling. And then Kurt Busch leaves with a fifth place finish. But overall though, they, I mean, you compare the speed of Toyotas to what Briscoe and Elliott and Blaney had, it wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And, and, uh, you know, Hamlin with another mistake, um, Truex could have been, you know, yeah, somewhere in the top ten maybe, but he wasn't, 
you know, he wasn't himself like he was last year on short tracks. Not back when he was like the the seven fifty track uh, package master, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I think it, they, they obviously have some work to do. I mean, but we would have said for a little bit there that that Ford seemed to be behind, but Ford's had a pretty good day today between um, Blaney and Briscoe. Uh, they between just those two alone, they led two hundred and forty four laps out of the three twelve. Now Chase Elliott led fifty. He he had a good stint there for a while, but that's another thing too about this racing. And then we can we can start talking about the racing as well. Um, it doesn't seem like like we've talked about people okay having you know really solid performances, but it seems like with these races so far, there's been like a few drivers up there who we could say are sort of like the dominant drivers or the fast drivers of the day. It hasn't really been one guy who is dominating these races and nobody can get them and nobody can pass. Um, you know, like, like I said today with, with Blaney, Blaney led the most laps. Briscoe was second. Chase Elliott led 50. So, I mean, those, those are three drivers with each with a chunk of laps where you're like, Oh, you know, at some point in the race, you're thinking this guy, they're in good shape today. Um, I, I think that's, that's kind of interesting how it, it kind of ebbs and flows even during the race. And, and that's a good thing too. Cause I think it's boring when some guy goes and completely stomps the field and leads, you know, 250 laps by themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think we're starting to see some guys emerge. It seems like Kyle Larson's going to continue to do Kyle Larson things. He's been in the mix. Uh, William Byron's it hasn't had the finishes. Yeah, but, but Larson only led Larson only led two laps today, and I know he had to start in the back. But you know, he had the fastest car in practice on like every metric, essentially mm-hmm. like ten. Uh, 15 lap run, 20 lap run, 30 lap run. And it was like, Ooh, this, this could be a Larson day. And even when he did start to get up to the top 10, he, you know, it wasn't like, okay, he's, he's going to blow everybody away. Um, and I thought Byron was going to be a little bit better than he was today. I, I actually, um, picked Byron on this radio show. I was on this morning. Cause I thought, well, he, he looks pretty good in practice. Um, and, and you know, Hendrick was kind of the story coming in, but I, I thought, you know, they didn't, they didn't look as good as I thought they were going to look necessarily. So. Yeah. I, I'm impressed by what Larson's able to do though. I mean, you put yourself in the top five on a weekly basis that that's, that's what you need to do. And he's been the one guy that's been consistently able to do that and get the good finishes. Um, we're seeing Joey Logano run the top 10 a lot. I, I'm like, we talked about, you know, kind of guys worrying about, I, I'm not at all Danny Hamlin to me. Like I know he's 30th in points. It's like no big deal. Like they've had speed. Like today they were off. But they've had speed most weeks. They just have had really a lot of bad luck, some silly mistakes, all correctable stuff. And it's like that that team could turn around in a hurry. So what? What? I'm sorry. I don't think I answered. I didn't ask you what your concern was. I said Bubba. What was yours? Yeah, I'm not as worried about Bubba as you are. Um, They, you know, I go back to Fontana. They were running in the. they, they, They. What I'm concerned about that team is they're starting off races badly. Like you go back to Fontana. They, they were struggling most of the race. They figured it out, though, and they got up in the top 10, and then they got into an accident. At Las Vegas, they were struggling early, got it together, and he was running you know, right around 10th in there. And then he got caught up in the, the Eric Jones accident, which is not his own deal. Like they, they, They're starting to kind of put this together, which is good. And then today they were just out to lunch. So I'm not completely worried about them. To me, the name that jumps out to me is Christopher Bell because – I look at this, and this is a team and a driver that we're supposed to see take that next step. And obviously, Toyota didn't have it today, but mistakes. We've seen Bell spin out a lot. You know, that's a driver to me. That, that's an indication. Yes, these cars are hard to drive, but someone who keeps pushing it. And let's be honest, there's a lot of pressure on those guys. You, you've got to perform because there's a lot at stake when you're over there, and the expectations are so high. And you know – um, you know, you, you look on the Xfinity series and see Ty Gibbs over there and you know, eventually he's coming up and he's going to need a seat. And I, and so that's to me is a situation worth monitoring as the season goes along. And Bell is one of those guys too, could knock out a win next week and it wouldn't surprise me, but we, we've, we've seen this before with young guys where you think they're going to do something good. And then it's a lot of things kind of adding up. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's going the other direction. Yeah. I'm not super worried about Bell though. I mean, just because the fact that he drives for Joe Gibbs racing, he's going to have to op- opportunities. He won the pole Las Vegas yeah, and he led 32 laps there. So, uh, I'm not, I'm just not super. I, yeah, I, I get that. He's look, it, when you drive for Joe Gibbs racing and you're behind, um, Todd Gilliland and Corey LaJoy and Justin Haley, uh, after the first four races, 
not great. Not great because you have way more resources than them and you should be kicking their butt and you should be a playoff driver and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I think you're you're going to see him with a chance to, to win races and run up front all year. So at some point you would think he'd be able to dig himself out of that hole. I'm, I'm not, I'm not super worried about that. I, my bigger concern is for drivers who need those good finishes all year long. Um, and, and aren't really getting them right now. So we'll see, we'll see. But, uh, you know, like, like for instance, I'll give you Eric Jones, right? Eric Jones mm. had some speed, uh, all three of these races, but late in the last couple races, he's, spun out for whatever reason or wrecked or for whatever reason and thrown away a tremendous amount of points that they could have had. And because of that, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you look at it cause he's probably not going to win a race, but he could have pointed his way into the playoffs. If you leave, you know, and you accumulate all these points from these races, um, he's 19th in points now. So that, that really hurts, you know? Um, but so, you know, so guys like that, I'm more worried about than, you know, somebody who I feel like can jump up and win a race. And I feel like Christopher Bell is capable of, of doing that. Sure. So. To me, it just, it, it mirrors the situation with Eric Jones and Eric Jones's um, 10 year at Joe Gibbs racing. It's like at week after week, he like, he was in contention and things were happening. You kept thinking, this is it. This is it. He's going to, you know, he's going to punch through and get that win and start reeling them off. And it just didn't happen consistently. So I'm just having flashbacks maybe. Oh, that, that makes sense. That, that totally makes sense. So we started to talk about the racing overall. Um, you know, uh, I, I, to me, much of this race now, it got good at the end, obviously, because of the people who were in the mix and some late restarts and, uh, some things like that mixed it up and, and it got better. But a lot of this race, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I feel like this has taken a step backwards from the Phoenix racing last year. Uh, that we saw because 2020 you'll recall that they used the 550 package and there was a big outcry and uh, it was 2020, right? 2019 was the joy. It was when Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin and the fall race were, it was horrible. Oh, 2019. Yes. I'm getting my years mixed up. Thank you. And then uh, they said, okay, we're going to use the 750 package for these short tracks. And uh, the racing got a lot better. And, you know, I thought, oh, okay, Phoenix is really, you know, that, that really, the horsepower made a difference there. Well, this package obviously is 670 horsepower, so it's not 750. It's also not 550. It's right in the middle, somewhere in the middle. And, you know, it just felt like for much of this race, like we, we saw so much, I mean, the racing was so good, I thought, at Fontana and Vegas. And it's not, like we had said on the podcast, it's not going to keep that way all year long. But it just felt, sort of felt like a, a come down from that. And I, I was wondering, like, oh, is that because of the horsepower? You know, eventually you, you, got, you saw guys start to push it a little bit more. Um, Christopher Bell spun out. Chase Elliott spun out. Um, Derek Jones. Like they, yeah, they, they made some more mistakes toward the end uh, as it, it started to get heated. But the guys seemed to have their cars much more under control. And they were able to save it a little bit more, it felt like. And again, not, not that I'm like caution thirsty, but just after these first couple of races where it was so unpredictable and you were like, we were praising how much it seemed like it was so difficult to drive. This just seemed more of like a normal Phoenix race, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this was a very, this was a Phoenix race uh, and it wasn't bad. I didn't, but it wasn't great. It, it wasn't what I saw at Vegas and Fontana, but you also have to, you know, step back and realize like, this isn't going to be like this every week and you're going to have races like this. This was just a bit, this was a race. It was a perfectly fine race, but it's also going to be a race that outside of Briscoe getting his first crew win. I mean, are you honestly going to remember anything that really happened from this? It's going to be really hard to pull, you know, outside of Briscoe. And, but that's the way it is. And I think you make a really good point about the horsepower. This was the first time we've seen, and you know, the clash is the clash, but that's, that's, uh, you know, a quarter mile bull ring track. And, you know, that's just so different. This is the first time you've seen a bigger flat track with this car. And to me, that's, this was a little curious and, and I am, I'm curious to see what's going to happen at New Hampshire and Richmond and some of these other kind of similar tracks, because to your point, is it, is this a horsepower thing or I don't know. I, I wasn't, I, I'm not, I'm not alarmed or anything. I just thought it was, it was fine. And I'm curious to see what goes from here, but again, we're not going to have the, the kind of racing that we thought, you know, 
it's not going to be a home run every single week. Yeah. Well, I just going back to the horsepower part of it. And I know they're not going to, you know, they're not going to change at this point and be like, Oh, we need to add more horsepower. The championship race isn't going to be as good or something, but this was the first race of the year where, you know, they had gone to, well, at least from the real races, right? Like they've gone to uh, less horsepower than the year before. So, you know, f- uh, well, Fontana, they didn't race that last year, but the last time they were at Fontana, it was 550. Vegas has been 550. It goes up to se- 670. And we're like, Ooh, this is good with this combined with the new car and you know, the bumps and the rough surface, at least at Fontana, you're like, Oh wow. And then, you know, this race having less horsepower than they had last year, you're like, Hmm, I don't know. It again, like you said, it was fine. It was a Phoenix race, but I guess again, just based on these first couple events of, of, of the season, you know, look, I mean, your expectations are just too high, Joe. That's the problem. They are, they are. But I mean, you had back-to-back races. I think, what was it for the first time in in the history of our, was it a good race poll that had 90% in back-to-back weeks? Yeah. Uh, I think it was the first time. And, uh, you know, and, and those aren't even, those were intermediate tracks and you're like, wow, this is just really something else. So then you get to Phoenix and you're just like, yeah, like you said, it was, it was fine. It was fine. It's, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It is what it is. I'm just, it's, we'll see what happens. I'm more, I'm more curious on what teams take away from this and, and apply to other for tracks. And we'll see. And the horsepower thing is, I don't know. It, I just feel like it's a, you know, you're beating a dead horse. Cause it's just, it is what it is. Right. All right. What else jumped out to you from this race that uh, was on your mind that you want to talk about? from the Phoenix race on the podcast. Um, well, uh, Ryan Blaney, another issue on pit road, cost some track position. They had to play catch up all day. I thought that was interesting. Um, Chase Elliott, another oval win or potential oval win that kind of slipped away. Um, he hasn't won an oval race since Phoenix 2020 in the fall, which feels like forever ago. I mean, not, I mean, he's still in the mix and he's doing Chase Elliott things, but it, you know, I, it's just, it's a bad, it's, it's incredible to me that they haven't won an oval race. I, I don't know why it's just, it's, it's perplexing. And I mentioned earlier, but I thought the Kyle Bush thing was interesting because we, we were listening to Kyle's radio all day, you and I, and he was frustrated to say the least. They weren't happy with anything going on there. And he still left with the top 10 finish, which I, you know, there was a time when, when, when Kyle didn't have good race cars, they kind of packed it in and it's just, you know, whatever. He's gotten past that. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He thinks he really does do a good job of turning lemon, you know, lemons into lemonade on these kind of days. And these are the kind of days you look at and you're like, okay, that's what you got to do. And you look at the point standings now and he's what second in points. That's, you know, that's, that's impressive to me. Do you have any concern? And, and I know this is pretty premature, but do you have any concern about the Hendrick engines? Because it's, it's pretty unusual for Hendrick to have, any sort of, uh, engine problems really at all. And I think they had two this weekend because, uh, Larson broke a valve spring and, um, Ricky Stenhouse jr. Didn't he have to change an engine? He has a Hendrick engine. Um, they had to change one and he wasn't able to go out and qualify. So is there any concern that, I mean, that that's kind of rare. I feel like, yeah. Are you worried about that at all? No, not worried. I mean, I need to see more. I need to see more of a sample size before I get worried. Um, you're going to have failures. I mean, that's just part of it. And, and you know, you're, you're not going to always be bulletproof. Now, if this continues, then that's a different story. The question, too, is Larson's got to win in this year. I mean, it, it, I don't know this, but I mean, could have been of a thing of, hey, you know, he's 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 locked in. He's got his win. You know, can we experiment here a little bit? Can we use Larson as a uh, an R? And again, I'm just spitballing here, but it's not inconceivable where they could say, Hey, let's look ahead to Phoenix in the fall. Let's maybe try something different here. I, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that question. So I, I I'd have to start asking these questions before I, I get concerned. Yeah. I, I can't see them doing that this early in the season. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of playoff points to be gained sure. and a lot of things on the line and, and a lot you're going to learn. I, I wouldn't even, you know, normally I think in the past you could say, okay, Phoenix, like, we're going to take our same setup here and we're going to remember this and we're going to take notes. But I, I bet things are going to change so fast, even that, you know, especially like by the time they get to New Hampshire this summer and things like that, like that'll be a lot more relevant to 
what they're going to try for Phoenix for the championship race than, than now. Cause the setups are, they're going to evolve so much and they're going to learn so much throughout the year. I just, I can't see putting that much emphasis on it, but I mean, you, it's not inconceivable. You could be right, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not worried. Now we go to Atlanta and we start seeing failures and we go, you know, races after that. And this kind of becomes a thing Then yes, then you start, you know, you, you start pounding that alarm bell. Well, um, let's do the, was it a good race poll? before we talk about Atlanta and then we're going to have a special guest uh, coming up here in a little bit, which you probably saw in the, uh, the title or the, the description for this uh, podcast, which we haven't discussed yet, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so Jordan, you know, it, it's, it, I mean, I, I, I've said, I've led, I've led the horse to water. Um, you know, I, I've told you the last two weeks, basically the exact strategy of how to win the poll. You, you won't listen. You refuse to listen. No, nobody and- likes the people that do on prices. Right. And I am an avid watcher of the show. I've been to tapings before I tried to get on the show. Nobody likes the people on that show who do the $1 bet to try to like come in low and, and take everybody. I don't want to be one of those people. I refuse to be. And for you to continue to beat me up about this every single week, whether it's on this podcast, whether it's on text, whether it's on our phone calls, it's getting old. It's just, I don't give a damn. It's stupid. I'm not going to be the $1 person. Just stop. Just tell me to pick a number. I'm going to pick a number and let's move on. <laughs> Twitter's on my side as well with this. I mean, no, I'm sure not. you saw there are the people tweets. People actually agree with me. I had a lot of people send me mo- uh, uh, gifts this week and respect things. They understood what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, the end result is I'm up three to one. Uh, I, the reason I want it, I, I want it to be competitive. I want to be like, have a close battle all year long. I don't want to run away with it. Who cares? It's not going to be fun for me. What, for, what, what, okay. What, what, what do you get out of this? What are we, we're, we're not playing for anything. There's no stakes. Pride. Where's your pride, Jordan? Uh, no pride because I picked a number out of thin air that, I, that I, people I don't even know are going to randomly, hopefully guess pride. What that I'm a good guesser out of like just magic. What am I? A Houdini? Look, I apparently I don't have a lot going for me. Cause I'm, you very said that, not I, me. You said that, guess. not me. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with that statement, but that's what you said. So anyway, last week on the poll, uh, I guessed 90% instead of going 90.1, you went 91 and it turned out to be 90.4. <laughs> so I won by 0.1%. Anyway, is that the closest margin of the victory? Um, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine it gets much closer than that. But anyway, here we are again with another chance to pick, and I have to go first. So let me explain my thinking here. The top Phoenix race ever um, was the spring race of 2020, won by Joey Logano. Uh, that was an 89.4. A lot of Phoenix races, you know, I, I don't think, I'm not sure this was up to that level. <clears throat> I do think it will be in the eighties, but it's one of those races where, like we talked about kind of a lot of just standard racing and then it, it kind of gets good at the end and it, it kind of redeems itself. So I, I feel like it's probably going to be low eighties, which a lot of Phoenix races have been in the past. And, uh, what, what? No, cause what, I, you're going to take ahead. my damn number again. That's why I can see where this is going. Well, see, I, this is so I guess first because I went because uh, I won and then you have the ability to guess either direction point down to the decimal point yeah, yeah. of anywhere this, you want. I'm sorry. So I interrupted you. I, Please continue. I won't take your number. Would you like to go first? No, just pick your number so we can get this over with. Please. <laughs> uh, you literally took your glasses off and rubbed your face in exasperation here on the Zoom. So. That was worth that was worth all the trolling itself. Um, I'll say eighty three percent, Jordan. That is a very good guess. I was thinking about somewhere in the low eighties. Uh, was a good finish. Briscoe winning. I'll say man, this is tough. This is really tough because this is it's kind of one of the, the things we talked about. Like the racing was just it was fine, not bad, not good, but it was a memorable finish. Popular winner. And does do, do people remember that more than anything? I'm going to come in on that. And you said 83, man, that's mm-hmm. a great, that is a really, really good pick. 
So just go point one higher or lower. I'm begging you. No, just say, I am not going to be, be that over under. I'm not going to be that guy. You're the. No, I'm. I'm glad I cut that. I'm glad I didn't say what I was going to say. Um, I am going to go. <laughs> oh, we almost had to use like the bleep button on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go eighty-one percent. Eighty-one percent. Okay. 81 for you. 83 for me, for whatever reason. Defies logic, folks. It There's defies no logic to this logic. stupid game. Stop with logic. Well, I'll tell you what has some logic, and that is Drive to Survive. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of it yet. Uh, obviously, the Formula One season is coming up. And, uh, you know, it starts next week. You'll be in Atlanta. And uh, F1, well, it won't be going on at the same time because it's in Bahrain. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, it's you know, I'm very pumped for this. They just concluded the testing there. Uh, have you, I guess, have you gotten to watch any Drive to Survive yet? Yeah, I fired up the first two episodes. I haven't made my way all through the series yet, but I watched the first two episodes. And if you like Drive to Survive, I think you're going to like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm three episodes in. We were zero episodes in when we got a call from Bahrain. Uh, and had a special guest on the podcast, Zach Brown, the CEO of McLaren Racing, joined us from Bahrain on the teardown. Yes, that's right. We reached out and they said, would you like to have Zach Brown on the teardown? We said, sure. Well, why That'd not? Be wonderful. Yeah, fun conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Interesting guy, too. With, with a unique background and fun to talk to and lots to talk to him about. Let's listen to our conversation with him right now. All right, everybody, we're here with Zach Brown. And uh, Zach, we're so pleased that you joined us, especially from Bahrain. And um, I imagine you're uh, you're ramping things up there. How's everybody feeling out there as as your final test is, uh, you know, getting ready to wrap up? Um, good. We've got a few technical challenges, truth be known, but uh, that that is what testing is for. But I think uh, kind of put aside our, our short-term challenges here. Uh, we've got some braking issues to be specific, but, uh, we'll, the team will get that fixed. So if I put that aside, I'm happy with, uh, all the work the men and women have done with, uh, to get the race car ready. I think we've got a good race car. Drivers are excited. Team's ready. Um, let's go racing. Let's just fix our brakes first. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. Um, we're, we're speaking to you. We're recording this on the morning that Drive to Survive was released here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, you never know uh, what you're going to get when a, a reality TV series portrays you and your team. Um, how, how accurate do you think that it has been from what you've seen uh, so far in portraying you and the team and everybody else? Uh, I've not seen the uh, season four, um, but I've seen obviously one, two and, and three. I think it's it's very accurate. Uh, I think, of course, like anything that is on TV, there's a little bit of uh, dramatization. Uh, that being said, I think the uh, core of what they um, show is absolutely uh, accurate. Obviously, when you have a, a TV show, um, you want to keep the entire hour, however long the show is, uh, pretty exciting so um i think it's i think it's very accurate i think you see what the different personalities are i think you see the politics i think you see the rivalries um i think it does a very good job of portraying formula one in a, in a cinematic way excluding the episode that mclaren's is, is featured in is, is there an episode of drive to survive this season that you are you might just jump to right away because you want to see it unfold well, I, I, I don't know what the episodes are, so kind of um, obviously the last one is going to be quite, uh, <laughs> quite, quite, quite dramatic, but I don't know what all the other episodes are, um, but clearly the whole Max Lewis rivalry was the most intense rivalry I've seen in Formula One in probably since Senna and, and Prost from what I can remember. So um, that, that 
that will be exciting to see. And I suspect that cuts across uh, multiple, uh, multiple shows. When you're, when you see Christian Horner and total wolf and just kind of this rivalry they have and everything that's happening on the track and off the track and the war awards, uh, what is your reaction to this? Are you bemused? Do you shake your head? What, what, what do you think when you see all this transpiring throughout the course of the season? Um, so I think from a television standpoint, uh, it, it's quite theatrical and therefore, you know, certainly, uh, entertaining uh personally i think uh, they uh, play up to they, they truly dislike each other but i think they <laughs> dial their profile up a little bit through tv personally some of the stuff i've seen i'd be a little embarrassed to do myself from a <laughs> credibility credibility within my own racing team because while you might be playing to the fans a little bit the number one um, audience for me, and this is just me, is how my race team views me. And I would never want my race team going, Zach's doing that for, for camera. So I think it depends what audience you're playing to, but I'm, I'm always grounded in, you know, we are sport and entertainment, but we're also a, a professional sports team. And I would never want to um, not be totally authentic uh, in how I go racing. And, and, and therefore, it's not Netflix dialing up the theatrics in that moment. It's some of the personalities that are dialing up the theatrics in the moment. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're, we're on the NASCAR beat, and you are very well familiar with uh, the NASCAR lifestyle. Um, and we've never experienced the F1 lifestyle, traveling the world and things like that. Um, can you give us a little taste of what it's like to sort of live that? I mean, how do you even remember what country you're in when you wake up on some, some of these jet lag mornings? Uh, sometimes I don't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, I I have been uh, traveling the the motor racing circus, if you'd like, for full thirty years now. So I, I, th I think you get you get used to it. You know, we all I think the uh, human beings adapt to their environment pretty well, whatever that environment is. How do some people li live in excruciating heat in some parts of the world? How do some people live in excruciating cold and so you know the body the mind adapts so you know how do you travel the one i've been doing 250 to 270 days a year of travel for 30 years wow. but that's 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 what i know and so i'm 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 used to it so you definitely have your your days where you need to recharge the batteries but you learn how to adapt and you know you recharge you know, on planes, for, for me personally, I find planes quite relaxing because not everything's ringing. You know, you got the kind of the the, the noise, the, the calming noise in the background. You kind of forget what time zone you're in because you're crossing over time zones. So I think everyone has their own way to kind of adapt to this grueling schedule that we have. As someone who hates to fly, I can't imagine being that comfortable on a plane where you can just kind of escape but to each their own. I, I don't know how you do it, but good congratulations. <laughs> when you look at the coming season ahead, McLaren's coming off a, a really good 2021 season. You guys got back into the winner's circle. What are the expectations for 2022? And what would, would you classify as a successful season for McLaren in 2022? I, you know, I think our goal is to get – near the, the, the front um, that's the journey that we're we're on the field's getting closer so if I look at 2021 we hit all of our goals except one which unfortunately is the one that pays and is is one of the more higher profile which is finishing position in the championship but if I look at what we set out last year we set out last year be closer to the front of the field. We were, you know, from a, a pure numeric time standpoint, get more podiums than we did the year before, 
We had two, we got five. We didn't even really set out to win or get a poll, but we got a poll in a, in a win. Uh, we got more points per race. Uh, our pit stops improved. Our car launches are a big measurement. Um, we're, we're number one. And then we obviously didn't want to go backwards in the constructors championship. And unfortunately, uh, that's the one KPI uh, that we did. So really our KPIs will all be, you know, kind of the same, which is an improvement across all those things I mentioned again this year, closer to the field, hopefully more podiums, hopefully more Q3s, hopefully better pet stops. That's, that's our goal as, to, as opposed to saying, you know, we got to win this many races, you know, cause we might not win any races. It's going to be very, uh, I think, uh, wide open season. So the, the ultimate measurement is pace. Some other things are out of your hands. So, you know, we know how far we were off the fastest car last year. We want to be closer to whoever that fastest car is this year. That's our ultimate measurement. You've you've made some well-known uh, driver bets. Obviously, Ricardo got to drive Dale Earnhardt's car last year after he podiumed, and uh, Pato got to test an F1 car after he won an IndyCar. Um, how confident are you when you make these offers that these things are actually going to happen? And are you having to come up with new ones or was that sort of like a one-off year? No, I, I like having fun with the drivers, you know, each one kind of gets a, gets a bet. So I'll, uh, I'll have a new one with Lando this year because we haven't really had one yet. Uh, Daniel earned his, you know, you want to make them uh, achievable, but, but, but also aggressive, right? Pato needed to win a race. Daniel needed to get a, a podium, which we only had, you know, two the year before. So it's not like that's an easy accomplishment. He happened to take it real seriously and win to get his. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so it's 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 fun. We got great camaraderie in the team, and having once raced, it, you know, they they are, were all fans of the history of the sport. So I think they all. Uh, fancy having a go in one of my cars that has an emotional connection to them. So it's, uh, it's fun and I hope they get to drive it. They just know they get in trouble if they crash it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have like an insurance waiver you make them sign in case they wreck it? And unfortunately, uh, the, no insurance covers the race cars. <laughs> Uh, you, you mentioned Lando Norris and, and Lando had a, a breakthrough 2021 career highs, podiums, laps led, you know, uh, points that accumulated. What does Lando have to do to take that next step in, in, in his career to become a winner at the Formula One level? Well, I think it's more of a situation where uh, what do we need to do? Because I think as he demonstrated in uh, Russia, when we gave him a car capable of getting on pole and, and winning. He was, you know, a couple laps away from, from that when, uh, you know, we gave him a great car in Monza. He and uh, Daniel were, uh, you know, pretty un unbeatable. Um, so I think this is really more about what do we need to do to get Lando uh, his first win. He's, he's, he's got to drive it and he's got to close it. But in this sport, you know, it's very car dependent. So he's ready to win. I think if we can give him a race winning car, uh, whenever that may be, he'll win. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, the growth of F1 here in the States has been a topic, and but it seems like it's going to continue to be a topic because it seems like it's continuing to grow. Um, from, from when you entered this space uh, to, to where it is now, I mean, anecdotally, you know, aside from just, you know, TV ratings or that, you know, huge crowds at Coda, you know, are, are people saying things to you that make you feel like it's growing? Are you hearing from people or friends that you didn't before about F1? How, what's oh, your yeah. sense about yeah. that? Oh yeah. There's not a day that goes by that um, I'm not hearing from someone. And, you know, what I hear most often, which is, is exciting for the sport is how many people say, I mean nothing about Formula One. I didn't follow Formula One, and now I won't miss Formula One. So it's not just created awareness. It's created avid fans. So 
that's what's exciting is, you know, that's what you want. You want people that don't just have an awareness of Formula One, but that they follow Formula One. And uh, obviously an immense amount of credit to, to Netflix and Austin's done a great, great job as a race. Miami's going to be the most popular Grand Prix of the year. So you kind of have everything coming together to drive the popularity. But I hear about Formula One so often now in America, and I never heard about Formula One in America, really up until the Austin Grand Prix, you know, was I think the first big step in having a permanent home, great facility, great race. It's 10 years old. Prior to that, there hadn't been a Grand Prix since uh, Indianapolis. There was a, you know, five-year hiatus. So during that period, you never heard about Formula One. Um, that was, you know, 15 years ago So 10 years ago, um, it started. And then, uh, with the new ownership and Liberty, um, and Netflix, that's just totally turbocharged where formula one is in, in America. Kind of following up on, on Jeff's question, uh, about the growth in America is we have seen, uh, Michael Andretti is, wants to start a, a formula one team. He wants to be involved. Uh, what is your position on that? Is that something that you'd like to see him come in and be part of this? Or, you know, the other side of the coin, there has been a little bit of pushback from other owners and saying, Hey, we're okay with, you know, 10 teams and 20 cars on the grid. Yeah. So I think the grid is great as it is. So um, that's, a, that's a great place to be. I don't think there's been as much health in the sport as we have today. That being said, I think the Andretti, uh, name uh, adds a lot of value to the sport. I know who his financial backers are. They're the type of people that we'd like to see owning Formula One teams. It will give opportunity to uh, more racing drivers. So, you know, I think we're in a great place where we are, but I think Andretti is additive to where we are. And as we continue to grow the sport, more races, more TV, more Netflix, more high quality racing teams. And, you know, there is no more famous name in probably global motorsports and certainly North America than the name Dreddy name. Very good. Zach, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we're, we're anxious to see where this year uh, takes you and takes your team. Um, and we'll, we'll be watching. It's, it's going to be fascinating. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Thanks. Zach. Appreciate time. Appreciate your time. Take care. All right. Cheers. See you. All right, everybody. Zach Brown on the podcast. That was our definitely our first guest uh, from. Bar we haven't had many guests in general, so definitely no. our first guest from another country at the time, and uh, our first guest from Bahrain. I'm not sure we'll get another one anytime soon from from Bahrain, but uh, I mean, if he wins next week, I feel like he owes us to come back on. I mean, I yeah, feel like, you think you know, he's going to come back on? Can't hurt to ask, right? Well, they need to they need to figure things out because Lando Norris said that they're a little bit behind. Although Lewis Hamilton said that they're a little bit behind as well. Yeah, it's, it's everybody thinks they're behind. It's it, Mercedes does this every year. It's 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 the except you know, Red oh, Bull. Red Bull didn't say they're behind. Yeah, and Toto and, and Toto and uh, Christian are already kind of like going at it a little bit. It's great, and that was to me was the funny thing about Zach I, when we talked to Zach was him talking about the Christian and Toto stuff and like just kind of like the sitting back as a third party. Cause that's what I would do too. I just look back like, look at these guys, mm -hmm. look at these, these guys, look at this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know it's uh, it's going to be, it's going to be very fun to watch the season. I think people are, you know, just, just like the start of the NASCAR season, people are really engaged at the start uh, to tune in and, and just see the first few races and see if they want to keep giving it a shot after that. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. And, uh, of course you're going to be in Atlanta, boy, Atlanta is going to be oh. something else. I don't know what to make of that. There's going to be a double line, double yellow line rule. The drivers are saying the track is already, you know, rough, even though it just got repaved and, and it's going to cause problems. It's narrow. They're going to try to do this super speedway package there. Uh, personally, my prediction right here on the podcast is it's not going to work as intended. They are, I'm sure they'll be grouped up a little bit for restarts, but they're going to get sorted out and it's going to be a situation where they're going to get sorted out to the point where they're not going to be able to pass. And it's going to bring all those sort of 550 angst package stuff back. Cause they're going to get spread out and they're not going to be able to gain on each other. 
that's obviously not working, would not be working as intended, but maybe it'll work. Jordan, will, will it work? Will it have any chance of working? I, I don't know. I mean, I've been asked this question a lot and I, and I don't know. And I don't even want to say anything one way or another, just that tune in. We're all going to be, tuned, we're all going to be watching because this is going to be so fascinating to see how this unfolds because nothing has been tried like this before to some degree. I, <laughs> I mean, um, just, I, I have concerns. I mean, just from the stuff I've heard about the track and the people we've talked to, I just, if it works great, cause this could, this could be a game changer in a lot of levels, but I keep coming back to the fact of if this doesn't work, if this, this new remodeled Daytona Talladega esque Atlanta Motor Speedway isn't what they thought it was going to be, then what? Because that is a lot of money that they poured into that. And it's a lot of money to fix that. And I just, I don't know. I am, I am very curious to see Friday night they practice, and I cannot wait to watch. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating for, yeah. for sure. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think I'm assuming you are saying that you're not going to make a prediction about what's going to happen because then you can come on the podcast and claim that this is what you said all along, just like with Austin Sindrick at Daytona 500. Okay. And, uh, okay, seriously, this is <laughs> oh, I... so mad. Oh my gosh. I wish you guys could see his face. <laughs> anyway. No, I am not making a prediction, Jeff, because I don't know. Like, I don't even. I mean, I've, when do we, we ever know anything? All our predictions are no, complete wild well, guesses. That's why we're the number six we best podcast. By the way, if you want to read a story about the second best NASCAR podcast, go to the Athletic, where you can read Jordan's story about door bumper clear this week. It was a very good story, Jordan, and uh, you'll have you'll find a lot of insight you know if you what? listen to that as well. But you know what I'll say about that? They're a hell of a lot nicer to me than you are. <laughs> well, they're not nice to each other. And that's our theme oh, too. Nice to me. They were nice they're to you. Nice to me. I'd be nice to one of them if they came on our show. But uh, we can get one of those guys. Not, no problem. Are they nice to TJ on the show? No, they're not nice to TJ. Yeah, they, you know, it's in a good-natured, fun way. It's none of this crap. They say TJ sucks. That's the entire theme of their show. Is it's... TJ sucks? <laughs> uh, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, like usually when we 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 talk about things, like we have some semblance of what the heck's going on. Like we talk to people and we we feel like we have some knowledge. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've talked to people who have been no, at that task. I'm just they, kidding. The drivers don't know either. They, they've made that clear. Don't. Nobody I mean, knows what's going to happen. I'm just saying we certainly don't know either. But I, I was trying know. to make predictions so that if I'm right, I can say, boom, nailed it. And if not, yeah. I'll, I'll fall on the sword and say, man, I messed that up. But, yeah. you know, you're just trying to cover all your bases. I respect it. I respect it. It's a little journalist integrity on this side of the uh, Zoom oh, call here. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, anyway, if you want to subscribe to our journalistic integrity you can go to theathletic.com slash the teardown where you'll see the latest deal, which apparently is $1 a month for the first six months right now for new subscribers. So, I mean, seriously, if we're not worth a buck, like, why are you listening to this? I mean, can we, are we not at least worth a buck? Please support our work, please. We'd really appreciate that. Anyway, uh, Jordan, any final thoughts on this disjointed wacko podcast that we just did? Uh, I, no comment. <laughs> uh no uh phoenix was fine i keep saying that but it was it was it was phoenix it, it wasn't good it wasn't great it was it wasn't bad um i'm really excited for lana because i think it's going to be good bad or indifferent it's going to be so we're going to be talking there's going to be a lot to dissect next week and uh I, i'll give one more plug as well uh since chase prisco won uh, i was going to make a uh inside joke about the text messages that all he's going to be receiving the if any of you have heard the 12 questions right here on this feed, by the way, for free, go back and listen to that podcast. It was a great podcast with Chase Briscoe. And uh, he talks about all the text messages that he has not answered because every time you win, you get a bunch of text messages and he's not good about replying. So one of the first things I thought about when he won today was, Oh man, he's <laughs> never going to answer. He has text messages on his phone unread going back to October when his son was oh. born. Um, so yeah, like that over 200. Out. I know. I right. Ugh, it gives I, if I have one missed text, it freaks me out and I, and I feel horrible and I don't respond and it's just, ugh, I, know, I can't I do know. that. That's he's, he's I kind of him actually in a way. Do. Like I wish I had that peace of mind and be able to like step away. And be like, yeah, I don't care. Like I can't do that. Well, he, like, I feel like he's I'm miss- read them though, because he, well, you're an Android guy. So it wouldn't, I can't even just go back and listen to the 12 questions, iPhone users, and you'll understand. I can't, it's not going to waste my time with Android guy Jordan here, but okay. You're, you know, you're being hurtful today. 
You know, <laughs> you started it by ranting against my my love for the the guessing on the poll. So I thought, okay, the door's open. I'm going to troll you right back, my friend. Troll you? I gave you my my impassioned plea about how this is, you know, what this is, and you're just you're just fucking shots. That's fine. Right. Whatever. Well. I'm not firing shots at you like the shots that were fired at your apartment. That was the drive-by. I mean, you know, I'm a better friend than that. So, um, you're prime suspect number one. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Anyway, uh, hopefully, we'll try to do better next week. Everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Teardown. <laughs>